Hi, it's Baz, the Being Human blog editor. You are listening to the fantastic Being Human cast. Lisa again with another chapter of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic. I'll zip through the couple of news items I've got, and then we'll get into the chapter. First, of course, I just want to mention that Series 3 premiered in the U.S. on BBC America last Saturday, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one who was so grateful to finally be watching it after hearing so much about it from my friends in the U.K. And it was definitely worth the wait, don't you guys think? For those of you wondering, I did finally watch the first couple of episodes of the Sci-Fi Channel version of Being Human, and hopefully Susie and I can get together soon and record our thoughts on it. Also, I just want to mention that Entertainment Weekly has an interview with our resident vamp Aiden Turner up on their website about his role in the upcoming Hobbit movie, which he's filming right now, so you should check that out. The link's in the show notes. Be warned, there are some spoilery things for Series 3 of Being Human in there as well, for those of us in the U.S., so if you're trying to stay spoiler-free, you should probably bookmark that interview and then come back to it in a few weeks and read it. Finally, I just want to mention that according to DigitalSpy.com, Being Human creator Toby Whitehouse will be writing Episode 11 of the 2011 series of Doctor Who. In addition to this episode, he also wrote the 2006 Doctor Who episode School Reunion and last year's Vampires of Venice. So if those two episodes are any indication, this new one is sure to be great and I'm excited to find out more about it. And when we find out more about it, you'll know. Finally, I just want to mention that I went to Gallifrey One last weekend. That's the annual Doctor Who convention held here in Los Angeles and I had a blast. I attended a Doctor Who podcasting panel while I was there, and I got to meet a bunch of really great fellow podcasters and find out about a bunch of awesome Doctor Who podcasts that I hadn't heard before. So before we actually get into this week's fanfic chapter, let's take a listen to a promo for this amazingly funny and brilliant Doctor Who podcast, The Oodcast. Hello everyone, uh, my name's Christopher and this is Laura. Hello. And we're part of a new Doctor Who podcast called The Oodcast. We've actually come into possession of something very special. Yes, that's right, because we can now reveal the Oodcast has managed to get its greasy little hands on an early audio trailer for Richard Curtis's episode of Doctor Who in the fifth season. So, um, without further ado, and hopefully without further prosecution, the Oodcast presents... A sneak peek into the future... Of Richard Curtis's Doctor Who. Doctor? Don't know. Looks like London. Notting Hill, perhaps, but there's... I don't know, there's something wrong. Oh, I can't put my finger on it. No, yes! Everything's too clean, and the people are too posh. 
Help me! I'm being chased by a giant golden pepper pot. The Daleks. Uh, watch out! Here comes Dalek Colin, and he's got a big plunger! What are we going to do? Don't worry, it's all part of my brilliantly subtle plan. I don't see any brilliantly subtle plan. Amy, you wouldn't see a subtle plan if it suddenly grew to the size of a dreadnought-class cyber king, painted itself purple, and then danced through the streets of London singing Subtle Plans Are Here Again. Bugger! 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 This unit is impaired! Destroy it! Bugger! Knock knock. Who's there? Doctor. Doctor who? You've just said it! (laughs) Said what? My name! That's the joke, you see. You said... Doctor Who. But that isn't your name, is it? That's a mistake a lot of people make. I'm the last of a dying race, with the blood of several species on my genocidal hands. I wander through eternity, lost in time and space, witnessing lives briefly flare and burn around me, while I remain essentially alone, desperately trying to save what scraps and tatters I can as the great war machine of time trundles on, Crushing whole cultures under its dirt-flecked wheels. I'll outlast everyone I'll ever love. Really? Really. And one day, not long from now, I'll explode in an outpouring of golden energy, and another man will saunter away with my life. Never look back. Nice try, Bowtie, but you don't fool anyone. After all, I'm just a Dalek. Standing in front of another Dalek, asking him to exterminate, exterminate. Coming soon to BBC One, the four doctors and a few more. And now, chapter six of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic, Aftermath, If Nothing Changes. This chapter is read by Christine, a fellow cast member on Angel Between the Lines and the upcoming Firefly Between the Lines. Take it away, Christine. Chapter 6 Mitchell sat back down, the breakfast bowl chinking against the wooden dining table, rattling the spoon inside noisily. Annie brought over another coffee and the carton of milk. Mitchell shook some of the flakes out into the bowl and gave his friend a bright smile as he took the milk from her. He poured it over and tamped the cereal down with the back of the spoon, making sure everything was nicely soaked. He was exhausted, but he knew the food would help wake him back up. Deciding that the flakes were adequately soggy, he began eating. Annie was watching him, trying to be inconspicuous about it, but he noticed all the same. She did that occasionally, but he never let on that he knew. All of a sudden he paused in the middle of his breakfast and yawned widely, covering his mouth with a gloved hand. He didn't really breathe, as in processing oxygen into his body, but he'd discovered that yawning was a hard habit to break, even after almost a century of being dead. "'Long night,' Annie commented, leaning on the table, resting her chin in her palm. Mitchell nodded and swirled his breakfast with a spoon. He took another large spoonful of them to his lips and chewed enthusiastically. Annie smiled. George closed his bedroom door quietly. Nina was watching him leave with a serious look on her beautiful face. He hated that she had to have been drawn into this. He heard her get up from the bed, heard the squeaky springs squeak and loose floorboard rattle lightly as she padded into the bathroom. He was disheartened and more than a little emotional, and tired, far more tired than he would normally be. He simply stood, not wanting to leave her, but not wanting to crowd her either. 
The chatter from the others floated up to him from downstairs, and his stomach gave an almighty twist. "'George seems to be coping pretty well,' he heard Annie say conversationally, if only she knew. He could hear Mitchell chewing, smell the milk and cornflakes his friend was eating. "'That's what worries me,' Mitchell said through a mouthful of food. He simply stood listening on legs made from jelly. "'Part of me just wants him to have a reaction, to feel guilt or horror.' George drew a slow breath. He was feeling something, but it wasn't anything Mitchell thought he should feel, and he suspected what he was feeling would worry his friends more. "'Maybe he's fine with it,' Annie replied. "'He killed someone,' Mitchell shot back emphatically. Even from up here, George could sense the stress levels in the vampire's voice. He still couldn't quite believe what he'd done last night, or how things had gone so far astray from his plan. Obviously, Mitchell didn't know, and George wasn't going to tell him. Annie had said, "'Does Herrick count as someone?' Mitchell replied with almost the exact thought he himself had just formed. "'To George, yeah.' That chilled him, and the werewolf gave a small shudder. "'We should keep an eye on him. There's no knowing how this might affect him.' Already below him the conversation was carrying on. Annie sounded curious as she asked Mitchell, "'Why could I hear those voices?' Voices. George crept curiously to the top of the stairs to listen closer. Simultaneously, he was aware of Nina moving around the bathroom right next to him. He began sneaking down the stairs, listening to the conversation between his best friends in the world. "'The dead people. I never used to be able to do that,' she sounded mystified. "'You turned down death. No one's ever done that. It's like it opened something in you.' Mitchell sounded more animated, not quite excited, but better than he had been all morning. "'Like I have a whole new skill set.' Mitchell let out a little laugh. <laughs> they should make an action figure of you. George reached the bottom of the stairs and straightened himself properly, as if he'd only just arrived. They didn't have to know he'd heard everything. They didn't have to know everything. He moved toward the kitchen as Annie and Mitchell were laughing together. Annie was the first to notice him as Mitchell buried himself in his breakfast. How's Nina? she asked softly. George just stood near the fridge, gathering himself. Okay. He moved to sit down and removed his glasses. They were, of course, a part of his normal self. This time tonight it would be a different story, but right now the strength of the lenses was really hurting his eyes. Plus it gave him something to do with his hands, holding his spectacles in front of himself on the table. I mean, a bit freaked out, he sighed tiredly. Mitchell regarded him carefully. You forget what it's like to be faced with all this? Neither Annie nor George could disagree with that statement. The pretty young poltergeist began looking at George intently. He didn't think he could stand the both of them scrutinizing him like this. But her expression turned to one of interest. How long did it stand there and stare at her? What was that all about? From what Nina had told him, he and he'd pieced together for himself while in the car, George had an idea. Maybe there was something about her I recognized, a connection that stopped me wanting to hurt her. Mitchell was smiling as George ended his musing. You're using I and me when you talk about the werewolf. George frowned. He didn't used to do that. The frown opened into a look of pleasant realization. All sorts of things are different now. With a small smile, he added, The last few months have been like living in dog years. Annie smiled back. She had never once heard George make a joke concerning his condition. Maybe he was right. All sorts of things were different now. With her, with him, with... Mitchell... She stretched, then cradled the mug on the table between her hands. 
So, what happens next, Mitchell? Taking up the idea, a weary-sounding George added his voice. Yeah. Is it over? Are we safe now? The air was thick with cautious expectation. Mitchell thought for a moment. There were so many possibilities, too numerous to mention, and some that would be devastating to his friend's newfound faith. But they had both proven that they were strong, brave, and loyal. They deserved the truth, at least most of it. Maybe Eric was right. Maybe someone else will take up where he left off. He sighed. Maybe that's it. Maybe nothing happens now. He considered for a moment. None of us know what safety is like. What if this is it? The three of them sat in silence, Annie looking contentedly at her friends, George brightening with tentative hope, Mitchell contemplating the prospects. Maybe together they had a semblance of a future, of a life, normal or otherwise. Maybe George was right last night. Perhaps... Love and a willingness to sacrifice all for each other was all that they needed to be human, after all. Annie was left alone in the kitchen. Mitchell, upon finishing his breakfast, had gone to bed with exhaustion. George had gone to check on Nina, who still hadn't come downstairs. Now she was left pottering around the kitchen, washing up and tidying away the dishes. She wiped down the table with a spring in her step. Everything was coming together. She stooped to take two steaks from the freezer, the ones George had asked her to put on the draining board of the sink to thaw out for tonight, since it was his turn to make dinner. She paused. George had said nothing, but Annie felt guilty about her cold reaction earlier yesterday. She was hurt, more than hurt, that he was leaving them in their time of need, and had refused to say goodbye properly. She noticed, even through her anger, that he hadn't pursued it. She thought he was running away, being a coward and abandoning them, just when things were at their most dangerous. If she'd known. The beefsteaks hit the floor, as all of a sudden she realized something with an utterly horrifying clarity. When he was leaving, he'd said something like, "'Some day you'll understand why I'm doing this.' Now she understood perfectly. He'd never intended to run away with Nina. Never to run away at all. He was making them all think that, Nina included, so he could do what he felt he needed to do alone.' And if he failed, at least he tried. He wasn't expecting to come back, and if he hadn't... The last thing she would have done was push him away. She had come so close to losing them both in the past few days. She began to cry a little. The sound of footsteps interrupted her, and she flinched as George popped his head around the doorframe. He saw Annie's miserable look and the stakes on the floor. The expression was part disappointment, part concern. He looked back over his shoulder. One minute, he said brightly, and moved to crouch beside Annie to pick up the meat. Hey, it's all right. I'll give them to the lady at number thirteen. That snappy little spaniel of hers will like those. I'll pick something else up on my way back. I was just walking Nina home. As he stood, iced over raw meat in hand, Annie impulsively threw her arms around him, making him yelp in surprise. I'm sorry, she murmured into the collar of his dark polo shirt, tears flooding down her cheeks. Awkwardly, and with no small amount of amusement, George put his arms around her and hugged her as best he could with a sizable chunk of dead cow in each hand. On the Out of the Coffin podcast, we discuss vampires in fiction, folklore, pop culture, subculture, and the vampires who live next door. We also interview authors and fellow podcasters within the genre. Come out. Come out. Wherever you are. And listen today. www.outofthecoffin.com And that's our fanfic episode this week. 
As I've mentioned before, we'll be putting out a fanfic episode every other week, so watch out for Chapter 7 in two weeks. In the meantime, take care, and thanks for listening. As always, if you have any comments or questions for us, please feel free to leave a comment on the site or email us at feedback at beinghumancast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good one. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later.